Hello everyone, Zach here from the Carnival of Randomness on behalf of our sponsor, Upsitnik and Associates. In these unprecedented times, we reflect on our future, both in the next few weeks and months, but also the upcoming years and decades, and it's time to prepare for that future. Upsitnik and Associates has been contacted by many healthcare workers, as well as old and new clients, to prepare wills, powers of attorney, and advanced directives, also called a living will. All of you need these documents. So don't say you don't have any assets to speak of, no children or other dependents. Regardless of the circumstances now, you will need a will for today and tomorrow. Al Upsitnik feels so strongly about having wills and other needed documents prepared that Upsitnik and Associates can prepare your will, power of attorney, and living will at no charge, you heard that correct, no charge until the end of 2020. No hidden fees or gimmicks. Al feels so strongly about planning for the future at this time that he is willing to assist you with your future. Trust Upsitnik and Associates, attorneys for 42 years, from the Supreme Court to Alaska and everywhere in between. You can find them online, UpsitniksLaw.com, on Facebook, Upsitnik and Associates, or call them toll-free, 1-866-391-3299 to prepare for your future. Hi, everybody. It's Robert, actually, on the Carnival this week. We have... This year, I don't know if you've noticed, it's probably a little tough to travel. So we're going to bring a little international flavor here. And we have our musicologist in the corner, Ken, there. Oh, it's so good to see you, monsieur. We. <laughs> oui. And we're very, very lucky to have Vicky Romler here. And it's international, so tell us why. Hi, Vicky. Bonjour. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, really good to be here. Um yeah, I'm from the U.S., and I lived in Pittsburgh and Rochester for many years, but I'm actually based in France now. France and Italy a little bit, too, so very European. So bringing a little bit of Europe to Pittsburgh today. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And how is the music scene in France? Now, you're in Paris, right? Yep, in Paris. Uh-huh. Now, is Paris considered itself sometimes Paris and France, or is it... Yeah, there is a little bit of that, you know, like New York as opposed to the rest of the U.S. kind of thing. And they actually do say that in French. There's France, and then there's the rest of the country. So, um, yeah, there's a lot going on. It's very international. There's a good, like, Brazilian music scene going, and there are a lot of, like, North African musicians there. So there's a really interesting, like, blend of, of music there. And there's a lot of jazz, too. Yeah, there of has possible. to be jazz. Yeah, I've always heard thing. I was in Rennes too, but I've always when I've been to Paris, everybody's been nice to me. I just have that vibe or something, or they look at me and they make fun of me later. Oh, <laughs> you know? but, well, sure, they have a But the thing too is, yeah. they open all night there too. Is like the nightlife because I've always heard Paris at you know at midnight it doesn't close afterwards. Yep. Yeah, there is a nightlife, definitely. Uh huh. Things keep going. Oh, nightlife, Ken. What's that these days? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, it's. It's non-existent for me. For a guy that I was going out, you know, five nights a week Ugh. at least. Oh wow! Yeah. And hitting three and four clubs a night. Yeah. And heading all around. It. It. You talk about the day the music died. Holy crow! Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me it was March thirteenth, I think, uh, two thousand twenty, uh-huh. and that's boom, gone. That was it. Boom. 
Yeah. That was it. So in going back to France now, I think uh, let's address a lot of stereotypical, <laughs> a lot of stereotypical ideas. Uh, you, you're hearing accordions all over the city as you walk around. <laughs> you're hearing you're hearing uh, echoed Edith Piaf bouncing off the buildings. No. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot. There is a lot more accordion definitely in in Paris and in France. Is the accordion the, the 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 American banjo? Do do people eschew the accordion? over there as we do the banjo here? I guess actually, yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. You love it or you hate it, I think. So, it's is it polka, though. Is, do they do it's polka, no polka too? No. no, they don't. No, they do, the, they do the French songs. They do PF, and there is a whole, like, kind of a big scene for that kind of, you know, I can hear Vienna Rose in my head right sure. now. Sure, yeah. I, I could picture the beret and sitting on a street corner. And, well, and there, there is that, yeah, and the baguette, you know, under your arm and everything. So, yeah. And then that's been, you know, very briefly, I uh, so that the listeners know that I've hosted now a French uh, foreign exchange student uh, since March through all of this uh, uh, isolation and quarantine and whatnot, and has it's been extremely interesting getting the the cultural snapshot from there to here, especially from a fifteen year old yeah. who is part of that pop scene. Mm-hmm. What are the kids listening? This fascinates me. Yeah. Because I'm old and we need to continue our music, and that happens through the youth. Mm-hmm. So to see what it is that they're listening to and, and, and digging on uh, has been especially fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it's, some of it's very cool. Yeah, I think so too. Yep, there's definitely. Who is the big person right now that are people in terms of for the youth music? Um, in France? Yes. Uh Let's see. Well, there's this young singer named Angèle who's done really well, um, and she's got kind of feminist lyrics. Um, so, so I'd say that she's a pretty big one. And then there's another one named um, uh, Zazie. <laughs> these, these interesting <laughs> names. So, uh, yeah, there are quite a few um, interesting, interesting. And the beauty of it these days is you can find it. If you want to look for it, probably look for it on YouTube first, or just look uh, you it up. don't. You don't even have to go that far. Yeah. Um, Nina and I earlier this week had to take a run to the store, and she said, "Oh, Ken, let me find that station that we listened to before I left." And it was I don't know one hundred seven point seven something here in town, a local station. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because of the formatting that is used now globally. Mm-hmm. In the radio stations. Yeah. She brought up a station in Rochester that was almost exact mm-hmm, mm-hmm. format as what they're listening to in France, in Rennes. Yeah. She's from Rennes. Uh huh. Right, um, in the western um, part. Yeah. In the beautiful the Normandy, uh, Bretagne. Mm-hmm. Region, yeah, yeah, beautiful part. Yeah. Um, and she, I swear, as the songs were coming on the radio, she's singing along song for song for song for song for song. Mm-hmm. And she's not getting it here. I mean, it's something that's piped in from, it's just global. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, these formats, which was interesting. It's out there. I mean, that's what I would always do, especially late at night, sitting in bed, <laughs> play with the radio station. Yeah. You'd hear the static, the static. Then all of a sudden, something wonderful would come in. Absolutely. What, would, was, what was that wonderful moment for you? What do you remember? I don't Dr. Demento. Was it really? <laughs> that was <laughs> one. Fun. But I would find other things too, like just going along, and you would find I can't think of a specific, but maybe in the day, like especially 
before finding like PBS, obviously, you get the classical music or even opera. Mm-hmm. And it would just knock me out because I've seen, I've been an opera fan since I took a trip to Russia with my college class, some friends from the history department, and I saw the Bolshoi. Cool. And my some of my friends were, I'm not going to go, I'm going to fall asleep. I was entranced. I think also some things like that you have to see live. Like I'm a big ballet fan. I don't watch, like if they have the Nutcracker on TV, mm-hmm. you have to be live. And I always go, when we had stuff live, I used to go to Nazareth for all their ballets. Cool. You know, then Very I met cool. punk rock shows, so I always go around. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's good music or it's bad music. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very funny. But how are you, like, for playing here in terms of, you've been, you were, when you were playing here, you were still a musician, weren't you? Um, well, I left pretty much after I graduated from college. So, yeah, I did, I had an a cappella group in college, and I did, you know, classical piano, and I sang in choruses. I, I started singing choruses when I was really little, so we actually did, like... Um, I lived in Miami for a few years. Was with an evangelical show choir, oh, <laughs> and we did like nice. we did like a tour of Mexico and Central America. So I've been in kind of yeah doing music. Those are cool churches. I think are really cool. Some of the people I know who are really excellent musicians around here. They go sing in choir at church. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's like basically a veritable all star band at a couple of churches on Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, we have a huge huge section of our of our folks here in Rochester that are such excellent musicians and singers in the in the black community that we don't ever get to hear or see any of these wonderful wonderful uh-huh. performances cuz they're done in church. Uh-huh. Yeah, could be. Yeah. And Concentrate the, on that. the clubs at night the folks don't come out because maybe I don't know they don't feel comfortable coming out to clubs at night or whatever it is, but it's mm-hmm. just there's a whole another world that it's, there are some folks locally here who are bringing bringing it out mm-hmm. uh, more and more and more and more, but um, but that's true. It is true too about people coming out. I'll tell friends, there's so much good music to see, but some people just don't want to come out for whatever reason, mm-hmm. whatever whatever floats your boat. Especially now. Yes. Yeah, well, now it's a little different. Sure. Now no, we don't want to come out right. either. Nobody's going out. Yeah. No, but why France? Did you just always have an affinity for it, or did it just throw? A Started a map. <laughs> um, I was always interested. Yeah, I was always interested in, in languages. Like the first time I heard somebody say something in a different language, I was fascinated. You know, and then um, in school, I guess we sang Frère Jacques, and yes. I thought oh, that's so cool. And, oh uh, yes, I can still hear that. Yeah. yeah so I took French in high school, junior high and high school, but I couldn't really speak it. And then I started German in college my sister married a German so I just like developed this fascination for Europe and I thought oh, I'll just go for a few months you know see how it works out and then you know one thing led to another I started doing music I had a, a full-time job with a record company for a while and then I thought no I really want to do the music I want to you know be be in the thick of it so so I just started doing that and it all just kind of flowed together and I you know, I had these opportunities in, in France, and, and I was really into speaking years, the languages. Yeah. 25 years later, yeah, boom. 25 years so later. So I actually started in Germany for five years, and I was doing, like, cabaret stuff with all these, you know, like, performance art, changing costumes and and slideshows and stuff. So that was pretty hilarious. And then, Wow, the Reaper Bond still lives. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. That's great. You and see then, the Beatles pop around anywhere? Well, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But, uh, yeah, and then started doing more jazz vocals, actually, in, in France. Because there's a really pretty big scene for jazz in France, bigger than in the States, maybe, I would say. 
really? a lot of appreciation for jazz musicians and their jazz festivals, you know, local jazz oh, festivals throughout the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the appreciation, the word appreciation that you use, mm-hmm. even to today, even from the youth of France, one of the things that I still see is their appreciation in spite of all the things that we have going on now, their appreciation of the Americans mm. for giving them their country back, for, for mm-hmm. the sacrifices that they made, and that is still very, very much um, prevalent mm. uh, with, with the French people, as I'm seeing it from my, from my host child. Mm. Uh, the soldiers, World War II, the liberations, mm-hmm. the invasion, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. It is not forgotten. I can speak on that, too, because we've never been hit by, since the Revolution, well, Civil War, no, nothing's been on our territory. Right. When I was in Warsaw, Poland, and going through the old town, and this has been destroyed by the Nazis, whole towns. Right. And there are monuments. This is fresh. There are people alive all who witnessed this. Right, There's right. There's a for the Warsaw Ghetto. <clears throat> this is very much part of the recent history. Yeah, right. absolutely. But we've experienced it, you know, only from here from movies and everything. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. And that's the thing. So we don't know what it's like. Right, right. You know, so there is, and I've heard that before, in terms of, like, how people are, you know, appreciative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took, uh, I took Nina to um, Holy Sepulchre. You know, my dad was a veteran, served in France during the war and whatnot, and we went by, and she was just so reverent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the respect... Mm-hmm. And from a 15-year-old kid, I was totally impressed. Yeah, you know, as, as we compare the cultures between here and there and what would a 15-year-old American kid's attitude yeah. be towards something like that. Would they even know it existed? Exactly. That's the thing. Oh, wow. Would they even be aware? Oh, right. I'm aware right. of the yeah. sometimes historical ignorance. It's mm. like Especially these days, like you hear about statues and everything else. People, who is this person? A lot of people, if it's not here and now oh you mean old like the 1990s yeah right you know who yeah. built, and some of these questions are apocryphal i hope but you'll hear stories about teachers who get questions on a test about when were the pyramids built oh they're old the 1950s and you, <laughs> i've seen yeah. these you ever watch yeah, like sure. the dumbest questions yeah. and you hope these are fake but right. some people i mean i used to do doors at bars i was a doorman for mm. Years and what I say, people ask me. Are people dumb sometimes? There's some dumb people out there. If you do a door at a bar, no matter how dumb people are, you'll go. There are some out there, fifty to seventy percent stupider. Oh, <laughs> oh it's funny. no, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, hey, very quickly, I wanted to jump back to one of the things that Rob said earlier about that definitive moment with music and mm-hmm. the, the radios and whatnot. Like when we were kids, you know, laying in bed at night. For me, it was when transistor radios had just come out. Uh-huh. They were kind of a new thing, the Panasonics, and we would lay there and write the little dial. I on still the have one, actually, <laughs> from my dad. Oh my I have gosh. a little one. Unfortunately, for some reason, it's got a NASCAR logo on it. No idea. Uh, yeah, but could have been a promo I, thing. I will still, like, I will turn it on, sit there, dead air, wait for the signal, then, like, fiddle with it. And I would do that sitting at night, like, out yeah. on the deck, stargazing listening to the radio. Right. The thing is, I would play classical music for my dad when he had dementia. And I always liked the idea, the middle of the night, I would hear classical music playing, and he was always... It really does soothe people, because my dad had dementia. He got violent the last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Classical music especially, I would take him to the Penfield Symphony. Yep. And he just... 
You just see it's like this thing calms him right down. He would sing for the Christmas songs and just enjoy himself. Mm -hmm. And it has that ability. And I think it has that ability, especially, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but it's sort of tumultuous out there. It Mm. brings, music brings people together. Yeah, for sure. Well, it gets to the whole socialness of things because music is a social thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whether you're playing solo, duo, trio, quartet, whatever it's going to be, choirs, Mm -hmm. etc. And that you're doing it for other folks. It's one of the things we're struggling now to figure out as to how to still, through this quarantined and isolative time, to bring it you know, to the other people. But at any rate, I'm laying there, and it's the middle of the night, and I got this little radio, <laughs> and I'm flipping through with all the static and so on, and who do I come across on an FM station? And it was 1970. I can definitively remember the day. Wow. Keith Emerson. I'm listening to Take a Pebble, Keith Emerson's first album with ELP, blew me away. It was that that was that's what I wanted to say. That that's what that I always one. say. There's always the moment. The I've always said moment. like Nick Lowe's Jesus of Cool was I call it in a good way my gateway drug. Because <laughs> I know I call it good ga- I always use good gateway drugs for music because you get this album that takes you and it takes you to level. another yeah. level. Yeah. Tom Cohn would say this to me. I would come into the Bob Shop, Tom, give me something in jazz that blows my mind. And he gave me Die Like a Dog Quartet, which is this almost like Captain Beefarty yeah. German band that goes on for one song for 30 minutes. And all of a sudden you get into it and you go to, okay, where can I go from here? What's this music? What's this music? Mm-hmm. And if you limit yourself, that's the problem. If you only like one genre, mm-hmm. or your buddy Rich, who like supposedly sitting on his deathbed, at death is in his bed is country music. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's some, like, you know he hated, he hated rock drummers. He made the mm. comment about, well, if you can't play music, you'll be in a rock band. And maybe it was bravado in a lot of ways. Yeah. But he just had sort of this contempt. But he, he backed it up with what he did. Yeah, of course. You know, Vicky, what what is mm-hmm. your your background and style and so on? How did that all develop for the type of music that you're doing now? Hmm. Um, well, it's true that I've done a lot of singing harmony. I actually started singing harmony with my dad in the car. You know, he sings barbershop and whatnot. So I really oh, got into cool. singing harmony at an early age and with the children's choirs and show choirs. So I was always really concentrated on that. And then a cappella, um, did a lot of classical piano. Um, Classically trained? Yeah. Did you come up through a conservatory or something? Uh, well, I took private lessons, and mm-hmm. then I did, you know, I accompanied people in, in, you know, school, elementary and junior high and stuff like that. So um, that's all been a part of it. And um, let's see. Where did, where did your favorites lie with the classical piano? Mm, well, I, I did like Chopin a lot. Oh. Yeah, I like the very floaty kind of, yeah. Is that because it's the first you heard, or just did it attract you like I that? I don't know. I think it was because he was so, they always say it was very like a, a pianistic composer. Like, he really concentrated on the piano. Can You, you can really feel that it's all... Because for me, I remember the first, I was always, you always remember your first. Uh-huh. And the first thing I heard was Masagorsky's Pictures in Exhibition. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. it doesn't matter what I've heard since. Uh-huh. Whenever I hear that, it takes me back to those days when this is when I found this, and you know, da 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 da. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that, and there were, um, I guess, some pieces by Rachmaninoff that I really liked playing too. Do you remember how but, old you were before you were cognizant that it was classical and <laughs> not huh. popular, or that difference? I guess I probably made it to like thirteen years old or something like that when I, yeah. 
thought, okay, this is classical. There are other kinds of music. And then somewhere around then, when I was a teenager, I heard like Glenn Miller. Yep. Like, my cor- chorus director like gave me a Glenn Miller cassette. It was a cassette at the yep. time. And I heard this and I was like, oh, what is this? This is seriously cool. Yeah. And I took it home to my parents and I said, have you heard this? And of course they'd grown up with it. So that was <laughs> kind of hilarious. My Spike Jones, man. Yeah. So, but how, one of the things I'm in this can, if you could talk about this too a little, I always, I've, I try to go to the RPO, maybe not this year, obviously. Mm, yeah. and, and one of our gems is the Penfield Symphony Orchestra. Right. Go down, and the thing, the phenomenon I know, especially at Penfield, which anybody, when it comes back, go. It's fantastic. And plug our own dear friend Kyle Vock plays on it mm-hmm. a lot. And I wanted to throw something at him because somebody gave him roses. <laughs> and I sent him a message after, and he went on, wow, that bass line was tough the way they did it, and you get all technical. It's like, layman's terms <laughs> but anyways the one thing i see is i will see smatterings of young people but it's mostly older people and i just wonder in france is it a younger audience for classical therapy is that's how do we attract the younger folks mm. uh, well they do uh, from all of the kids that i see at eastman because i i spend a good deal amount of time down there and mm-hmm. at the theater and mm-hmm. hatch hall and kilburn and so on and so forth um I'm telling you, the kids are such a wonderful resource in spreading it like a a, a ripple through a pond through mm. through the educational auspices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I really fear that as we get into you know the the society, the general you know Monday through Friday mom pop families and so on and so forth, we're seeing a lot of it fade. Mm-hmm. I do too, and that's my lament. As I said it, I'm looking at the audience going, you know. After this generation, it's fantastic stuff. It's going to carry on to the next. Who's mm-hmm. going to come and watch? Yeah. Now, if you're playing, nobody's there. Right. And right. I can't. These these are bigger problems that we could solve. But yeah, I, for I sure. Mean, no, no, but it's an interesting it's an interesting question. It really is because it seems everybody, the kids again. I'll use that. I don't even know. Let's let's define some kind of an age range, maybe from. 12, 10, 12 to Say 25. till college, yeah. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. right, like around there. Mm-hmm. So much of it is programmed. So much of it is done through AI, through the playlists mm-hmm. on the radio stations. Yep. One of the things that I seriously noticed in listening with Nina again on the radio was the sameness of all of the tunes and the beats and mm-hmm. the, the production. Mm-hmm. Um, the keys they yeah, were in sure. the same you know it's yeah, yeah. D they're in G they're kind of down a. to a format it's like yeah. found mm-hmm. like when I, when I would take road trips if you put the radio on how much mu- we couldn't hazard how many songs you're out there in the universe why do they have to play the same song every two hours mm-hmm. right? and, and actually we had our friend Kim Dreheim was on here yeah, yeah, yeah. and I asked him compare music now the industry to then and he got a little ruffled and he said they cared. I mean, there was stuff that went on, but for example, Quicksilver Messenger Service, when they got voted best, they were proud. Right. And bands worked on the circuit, mm-hmm. and they worked their way up. Everybody like came up. Nowadays, they look for somebody and plug them in. It's the same stuff. They're looking for a star, somebody who sells one big album. Mm-hmm. Then you don't know who they are six months later. Mm-hmm. Where the other ones had staying power. It was really people love music. Dylan would have gotten cut because his first two albums were non-sellers. Well, I would invite mm-hmm. you to go out to YouTube. There's a wonderful maybe three-minute clip with Frank Zappa, mm. 
who explains, you know, you know, back in the day through through our 60s and early 70s, you know, the record executives didn't mm. know anything. They're old men with cigars in there. This is, you know, paraphrasing him. These guys chomping cigars behind the desk. They didn't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know, kid. Let's take a chance on that and see what it does. And then you're getting the Dylans and you're getting, you know, they're experimenting and stuff is sticking and new music is coming out. Mm -hmm. And today, They've got the formulas, and if it doesn't meet the formula, if it doesn't meet this the criteria, logarithm, the, 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 the dreaded, I hate the word, I don't even want to know who listens to this show, we don't look, the demographics. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. You know, get that 18 to 49. Yeah. Right. But remember radio stations, too, mm -hmm. in the 70s, a lot of places I know of, they were a bunch of old hippies playing. Yep. And you could go in, it would be dreams for us, you just go in, stack, play whatever you wanted. Yep. Now it's just this pre-programmed... Yeah, for Junk sure. Junk food. Yeah. And there was an interesting thing about, about France. I don't know if it's still in effect, but years ago, there was a law that radio stations had to play 40% French music because they were trying to, you know, uh, save the French per artists kind of thing. Perpetuate yeah, because their otherwise, legacy, yes. The, yeah, the English-speaking music has more, you know, more advertising and more, you know, uh, more weight um, you know, forgetting on those radio but stations. But also we so talked about, you mentioned law. Nina, and it reminded me of Nina Simone. And I think one of the things also about France is a lot of black artists, especially with the crappy stuff that was going on here, they would flee to Europe in Paris. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's Flourish. why and it was huge. Sure, yeah, right that's why it was have. like so, such a, just a great place for music because mm -hmm. everybody here who was facing all the, stuff with segregation and all these other problems we mm -hmm. had as we tried to develop is they would go there to the clubs, play, like the movie Round Midnight and all these. Yeah, and yeah. Uh -huh. They were all these expats to mm -hmm. Paris. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, in the 20s, the 30s even, the scene there was oh, incredible. Vivid, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would yeah. be like for yeah. time travel. Mm -hmm. that would be know, I'd, I'd want to go just hang out there and just... Was it John Cale, Paris 1919? Yes, right? which one of my favorite <laughs> albums, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. No, but it does. It paints that romanticism of all of the... Uh, uh, of the, the life that was happening there with all you know the painters and and, and Guernica and, and and Picasso and all of the you know the musicians and so on. Absolutely. There's a great book I read. It's called Fireworks After Midnight. And it's about Paris in the 20s and 30s. It's at the library now. They're open again, but it's a fascinating book. And I also think we had a plague in 1918. Mm -hmm. The name Spanish flu, which is a misnomer, but it's because the Spanish newspapers could report it. But people, I think, after and this might be an analogy, after going through this for years, a war, people wanted to get out. And Live. They want to, you know, unfurl their colorful feathers mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You get out there and stretch your stuff. You, you, <laughs> you can't contain us. We are a species <laughs> that needs to be social. Yeah. Yeah, and sure. I've always said it's a community thing. It's like Tom Cohen will use it a lot about it brings people together. And how if I met a lot of my really good friends, the way I met them by happenstance was we would just spot each other at the same show every time. Uh -huh. To where it became familiar, you'd walk in. Whoops, there you are. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, I'm I'm missing that. I almost got all verklempt. Are you familiar with the word verklempt? Yes, yes, uh -huh. <laughs> yes <I know. laughs> for sure. <laughs> I stopped. I mean, it's just been recently that I've been that I've been going out a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, mostly from the car because I'm finding be mm. kids are sitting up on the street, mm -hmm. and you could literally pull up to the curb. I saw your picture mm -hmm. by. Chestnut Street? Yeah, yes, the, the spirit room. 
The spirit oh, room? Oh, you did that one? Yeah, the spirit yeah. room, too. Um, yeah. That's State Street Chestnuts, the other mm-hmm. one. Okay. And, then, and you can just pull up, and they're playing right there. You don't even have to get out of your car. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped up to the little cafe, and they've got everything going on in the parking lot. And it's like, I'm seeing friends. I mean, close friends that mm-hmm. we would normally see five and six times a, oh, a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, you haven't seen them now since March, right? Mm-hmm. So much catching up to do, and and, and and it's that whole humanism starts to yeah. come back. Yeah. I just hope I can remember everybody's name again. <laughs> it's interesting, I know. And like one of the things too is I respect. I'm hesitant in terms of going out a little. I've gone out. It's been a little awkward, mm-hmm. but just yes. on a rare occasion. And it was like I remember seeing Danny and Abilene the first time. And it's like seeing somebody. It's like seeing you know Danny. It's like every night you'd be there. Right. I have my Save Abilene shirt, and you go down, and you respect it, too, the fact that it's very tough for them. So you just, you have to wear, you know, you wear, you follow the rules, you Mm -hmm. do what you're supposed to. You know, take a seat. See, now, me being of Italian Mm -hmm. heritage, Mm -hmm. Italians hug. Yeah. They're French. Yeah. They're yeah. French. Yeah, it's been what? really hard for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. no the little kiss, kiss on the... Very the, awkward. They do the thing in Europe still with the kiss? Oh, yeah. Do, absolutely. In France especially. Oh, I'm yeah. a germaphobe. I'd be freaky. Right, not in Germany, but yeah, in <laughs> no, France, sure, yeah. Nina got back. I was like, oh, I missed you so much. And, you know, we gave the traditional... Mm-hmm. And you don't even care. It's like, can we, I when she left, when she left June 16th, mm-hmm. the way things were... We fully expected mm. never to see her again. Yeah, sure. It's, I'm it's surprised myself. So hard I to know. And I just bless her and bless you and everybody in terms of, I hope school goes well. It's oh. all I can say. I'm not an expert. I'm not going not to. Going I, I do know, like, a friend of mine is a teacher. I text her uh, the other day, and I said, you know, how are things going? And she just said, we're trying to prepare. It's been hell. Mm-hmm. And I just know the way I was as a kid, I'd be going around coughing and saying COVID on people or something. Probably. Uh, Kids don't get it. Kids are immortal. Right. You know? And I mean, they're maybe younger yeah. than that, but especially younger kids, not just high school. Mm-hmm. They hopefully have some semblance of sanity in high school, we hope. Mm-hmm. But say younger grade school kids, you're going to keep these... You know, they're social creatures. Of course, yeah. And they're going to want to mingle. They yeah. get dirty. Well, I'll tell you what, our yeah. teachers are our... our our newest frontline heroes, absolutely. Mm. And I do that goals. even like if I go to the store and I try to avoid it. I think if I did your job, I would freak. I mean, I do work. Usually, we don't deal with people having to do this all day. I mean, this is you know, it's heroic mm-hmm. to even do this, and you have mm-hmm. to put food on the table. But who would think too? Okay, I have to go to the store get something. Get in the car, go. Okay, I have to get my mask, my sanitizer. I have to make a mm-hmm. list. I can get in there, get out. Yeah, I have to yeah. watch out. I see some guy in an aisle take his mask off and honk on the stuff, make sure I don't buy it. <laughs> Hope yeah. nobody has a... I've only seen one so far. That's one of the change. One incident without the mask. Where literally, they had a call to police cars. And the people were having oh. a fit, and they were, like, spitting on the manager. Ugh. But otherwise, I haven't seen it. I've heard stories. Well, that's nice. And I don't think the Illuminati is making us prisoner by wearing masks. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, I could see. Say they said to stick pickles up your butt. No, I don't Maybe different. <laughs> <laughs> Some might like that. But, no, but, no, no, but, no, no. But I don't think just doing this, and again, see how it goes. They've said if we wore masks for maybe two months, it would get this thing gone. Vicky, what is the the yeah. difference of the mentality Europe vis-a-vis America where 
they're they're not fighting the rules coming from the government. Mm -hmm. One of the things we talked about very briefly is that you've got a president of France, mm -hmm. president of Germany, England, etc. You've got one leader mm -hmm. per the country. In America, mm -hmm. we have 50. Mm -hmm. right. And it has caused innumerable... It's parliamentary yeah. system. It's Marcon, isn't it right? And, Marcon's and, and, president. And right now. Sometimes I get, Macron. I know... Macron. Macron. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a nut. But yeah. it's like a Macron, <laughs> Macron. Yeah. yeah. But here yeah. we've got now fifty governors who yeah, it's complicated for sure. Very much so. Mm -hmm. And of course, the healthcare system, as we talked a little earlier, is, is you know completely off the rails and, and so 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 different. But yeah. yet, the Europeans are more resigned and accepting of the fact. Put the mask on. Mm -hmm. It's not going to take away your freedom. It's not going to you know as we get past this, we and then we can take them off again. Yeah. We commonly see folks in mm -hmm. Asia mm -hmm. right. as a matter of course yep. wearing yep. their masks yep. all the time. Yeah. Now. Yeah, no, I, I would say probably that in Asian countries they're even more disciplined, probably. I mean, when this whole thing started to break out, they were worried because in Italy people don't like to follow the rules for sure. And in France, you know, we they're saw famously there against early. the rules. Was... But, but they, they believe the science and, the you know, the president was very clear about what had to happen and it was enforced. You know, they did have people, you know, out in the streets like in, and you had to fill out a form every time you went out. And um, if you got stopped, you had to, you know, let them know exactly how long you were going to stay out and how far from home you Imagine were. Imagine if they did that there, I would fear. But there's a joke about America, too. There's one movie I was watching. It's sort of a comedy, but it's set in Canada. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for this movie Tusk. And they're looking for a serial killer. So there's the detective from Canada, and he pulls out guns. Mm -hmm. And he goes to can the guns to them. And the one guy goes, I don't want one. He goes, I don't want a You're American. Yes. <laughs> Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so I would say in general, and um, I spent a lot of time in Germany, too, so, um, yeah, people just, Merkel came on and said, this is the deal, and she was actually a trained scientist. She was a physicist. You mean they listen to science? <laughs> and I mean, and what do you she need said, science? this is we the deal. We have Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> we have memes. <laughs> we, we so need to get back to that. So. We don't respect science at all, and I think some people, it's archaic to them because they studied it, they didn't like it, they don't realize science don't care what you think, the facts. and It's the facts, you know. Jack. And I also right. think, too, a friend of mine said this to me who lived overseas for a while. He said, I said, we, we are, we don't think of ourselves that way, but we're a young country, you know, in respect mm -hmm. of the world. Yep, yep. They've been around a lot longer, and mm -hmm. they know how things are. They've gone through many, France has gone through, obviously, Napoleon, the kings, all kinds of different yeah, governments. Like you said, They're playing around with invasions, and, yeah. wars. Oh, sure. yeah. And that's the other thing. I'm not we don't get into politics, but in terms of like this the parliamentary system. And I mm -hmm. think there's a good or bad with some elections in some countries where okay, we have two parties, we're very polarized now. Mm -hmm. But I think there's ups and downs, like suppose we had ten parties or so, you're gonna get maybe candidates get in with ten, twelve percent of the vote. You can have problems like for example I know one of the skin. I think it was Denmark or whatever. They had somebody. You'll get somebody really, really extreme. Mm -hmm. So there's a, that part. But maybe also when your parliament's filled with all these different things, you mm -hmm. have to get along more. Right. You have to compromise more. Yeah. Where now it's like I think this is the worst time where everybody should be coming together. Yet I think we're going farther apart all the time, mm -hmm. becoming more polarized. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that is an interesting point too. I think that the U.S. is a, a really young country compared to the European countries, and you can feel that. Um, you know, it has good things and bad things, of course. But yeah, being in Europe, you really feel that weight of, of the it's history. The old and, saying, and we got to get along. It, you really feel that. It's the old saying about in England, two hundred miles is a long way, in America, two hundred years is a long time. Yeah. What's sure. twenty years in England or France to drop in the bucket? Right. No, no. Well, you were mentioning France. I mean. It got me to thinking. It's just like we have we have posts and signs right down at the bay, across from the Bayfront restaurant. You know, you mentioned Napoleon. I mean, you know, take it back. Lafayette fought at Arundelquite Bay for heaven's mm-hmm. sakes. You know, you know, way back during you know the eighteen twelve and and all these earlier wars. I mean, the relationships that have happened between these countries as as we. If, it, if France hadn't helped us, we wouldn't have made it through the revolution. Yeah, Ben Franklin went mm-hmm. over, brought oh, the huge, French right, Spain, right. huge yep. rock star yep. over there. Oh yeah, yep. that's what the coonskin. I guess he wore the coonskin cap because it was popular. <laughs> that's why he wore it. It was popular with the ladies. Good old Ben. I read Walter <laughs> Isaacson's book on him, which is great. And people always have the picture of him. That's why this was. The ladies in France loved it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm let's, sure. Yeah. Let's let Vicky readdress that that question about what were the, uh, the the popular influences that drew her as she was yes. as she was uh, cultivating her musical starts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there was. I mean, Glenn Miller kind of introduced me to jazz, and I listened to a lot of jazz singers anyway growing up. You know, it started with like Doris Day and Ella, Ella Fitzgerald, of course, and Sarah Vaughan, and um, working on the harmony too and we did a few jazz tunes that I kind of arranged for the a cappella group in college so um and that kind of got mixed in when I went to Germany and you know was listening to uh well there are a couple of German a cappella groups which were fun too um and uh yeah just pretty much started developing jazz more actually even when I got to Paris when I got to France because there was this appreciation for France, and there are some really interesting French jazz vocalists too. Um, there was a really cool a cappella group back in the 50s called the Double Six um, of Paris, and they did kind of, they built on kind of like the Lambert Hendricks and Ross kind of mm-hmm. kind of vibe, but did it all in French. Mm-hmm. They did this uh, album with Quincy Jones, um, and the, the woman who led the group, Mimi Perrin, actually transcribed all of these instrumental solos from uh, Count Basie tunes and, and put French lyrics to them. So that was really cool. Excellent. So that was kind of an influence. So um, it's been different influences over the years because I also grew up with folk, you know, like John Denver and James Taylor and Joni Mitchell. So those kind of are feeding into the song. It's all a beautiful it. stew of music there. It is. You. And who did yeah. you get involved with there for playing? Did you, it's like... Yeah, how did Finally, that, how, how did, did they come about? Happen? You've played, I take it you've had musicians with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how did yeah. you find them? Yeah, Just for think sure. Of, wow, you're an American. We want to work with you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. First, it was an a cappella group named Rue Blanche. I was doing a, a workshop, and then we decided to form a group uh, with this really cool French singer. Is your primary it. instrument voice? Well... I would say, yeah. Over the years, I've become specialized in voice, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really started on classical piano, but I got specialized in voice over So the if years. you were at a cafe, would you have somebody accompanying you, or would you be accompanying yourself on a guitar or piano? Um, it could be either now, because mm-hmm. um, I, I do have this whole jazz repertoire, and I've sung a lot with uh, different musicians. I've done my last album was... W- only duets with different guitarists with five different 
uh, jazz guitarists. So I do like the duo format a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see, I played with, uh, well, I played extensively with this pianist named Nico Morelli, who's an Italian pianist who does a lot of jazz. Um, no relation to the Morelli we know here in Monroe County. I spelled wrong, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. congressman, our congressman mm-hmm. is a Morelli. Oh, right, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. I've seen his name. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, and a guitarist named Gianni Guido, another guitarist, um, let's see, named uh, François Oms, uh, people based in France. And there was actually a Greek guitarist and arranger who oh, did cool. the arrangements cool. on my second album, my second album called Am I Am, which is more of my own tune, so it's kind of a jazz pop album. I was going to ask about that, too, but in terms one other question, I guess you might know this, too, Ken. Who is the, the person who would be living considered probably the the best cl- uh, classical performer in France at the moment. Oh, good. I don't Lord. know either. Well, I don't know either. I don't. Because I haven't been in the classical could, scene. You, you mean really. in terms of age? Just no. Just who's alive? Who would be considered okay if you were going to go to a show there? This is the person who's like the big honcho right now. The person who's. Well, I'll tell you what. I have no idea myself, but that's know. why we do on the carnival. We don't Google things. We don't Wikipedia them. Uh-huh. All of you folks out there, look it up and tell me. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Gonna, but yeah. you mentioned the question. I wanted to get back to. Okay, you said that in terms of now, you do. You've done covers. Obviously, you've done your own tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and when did you start? At, what was sort of the first ones you've done of your own? And <laughs> um, I've kind of been writing them over the years, um, but I've been writing more for myself, kind of. And now, just in the past mm-hmm. three or four years, I've I've gotten them out more, and I really wanted to concentrate on that. I think there's something about doing your own music too. There's like there's so much great music out there to cover, mm-hmm. but also remember Greg Towns was telling me the story about. Turning on his radio in Spain, they're playing, hearing a high riser song, and you hear your own music. Yeah. You see people, you're playing at the Little or anywhere else, and you see people digging your songs. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a real buzz to that. Like it makes a connection. People, wow, they dig it. This is good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's really, uh, it's it's a, just a different energy altogether. You know, my voice comes out differently when I'm. Are you you comfortable playing your own stuff? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and in that, I mean, sometimes, because I've written, mm-hmm. and creating your own pieces mm-hmm. and performing your own pieces, mm-hmm. for me, is just so personal. Yeah, right. Yep. It is mm-hmm. ex- so exposing. Mm-hmm. You put yourself out there, warts and all. That's why I have I have several, several very close friends who are outstanding singer-songwriters mm-hmm. locally here. Mm-hmm. And their material is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put, they put it out there. Mm-hmm. They put their soul out there. And it's so personal. It's like putting out your social security number <laughs> and your phone number and everything else. The person... It is, though. It's, and I remember writing and I remember doing a lot of writing since I was a teenager and I've done a little film work and mm-hmm. I'm always when I was writing I gave one of my really close friends like let me read it it's like I don't want you to read it why are you writing if you don't want anybody to read it so I give it to him and just get a little feedback and be honest because it's so mm-hmm. personal even doing this show I hope people listen I don't listen <laughs> to it sometimes because I'm afraid yeah. but I had a woman come up to me at Love and Cup the other week said she heard an episode and mm-hmm. she really liked it because it is in a way you feel okay what are you putting out there yeah. is it something worth people's while it's a little personal mm-hmm. when it's something that's a creative outlet 
it for you. Mm-hmm. You hope you're doing it so you hope people enjoy it and have a good time. But it is. It's like you're being judged in a way, or it's very. It's something. It's like a baby of yours uh, yeah. you're doing a song. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and as people sit and they and they hang on every word, mm-hmm. and they're listening to this story of what it is that you're telling them. I'm a, I'll cut to um, Susanna Rose. She has done a song a couple years ago. It's called Little Girl, The Little Girl. She does it in English. And for the first thing, I, I, I remember hearing her play this one night at one of the clubs, and it literally takes you to Europe, mm. like in the in the 30s and the 40s, when mm-hmm. you're hearing her, like that, the red balloon, you know, whether the movie, yes. the red the, the, the red balloon, you know, that, that old, you know, that French, that French piece. Yeah, yeah. I told her, I said, it should be in French. And I translated, Nina and I translated the song in French mm-hmm. for her, mm-hmm. right, that I had the lyrics at home. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, when you listen to the song and the lyrics, holy moly. <laughs> you know, when I was a little girl, and then she goes into the story, you know, I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you're really barring, you're bearing your soul and things that happen to you and experiences that, you know, were prevalent in your life mm-hmm. uh, as you were growing up. I'm, I'm hats off. No, and hats I think, and I think some you. songs are very. This is a universe. They're universal. We we all have shared experiences. And that person didn't write a song for you, but you think you ever had that where you hear a song and go, "How do they know me? That's about right. me." Right, right, right. Sure. You know, like you hear like Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Why has it been maybe done by a hundred people? There's a universality to it to the right. whole. Yeah. And I think that's what touches people like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, what I would say is, I mean, it's interesting because I've noticed, you know, over the years it's been easier for me to do jazz standards or whatever. And I started doing some songs, you know, during gigs, some of my own tunes. But because I knew the audience was French and they probably weren't getting most of the lyrics, you know. So I thought, okay, I've got this little, you know, barrier, this little safety net kind of thing. And so, um, but over the years, and even especially... Um, with COVID, um, I would sing something for somebody and they go, oh, that made me feel so much better. Thank you. You know, and I was just getting this feedback of like, you know, people, people enjoy it There's and they, power want it, to and they it. Really appreciate the honesty and the kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not overproduced or anything. And they, they just really appreciate that. So yeah. I thought, OK, I'm just going to keep doing this more and more. And especially people in the U.S., my friends, you know, in California, whatever. Oh, your lyrics are great and everything. So that's been a, a whole part of the journey. I had a friend. Totally. I saw one of my friends. I saw a show at Roar. And I ran into one of my friends and I said, how you been doing? And he said he went to a show. It was at. It was either at Iron Smoke or Three Hits. It was it was Daniel Pounder, mm-hmm. and he said the one song they did. He said, and "This is a you know, a guy. Tough, we'd look like a tough guy, mm-hmm. you know, rockabilly type." He said, "I cried. Mm-hmm. It got to me that much. Wow. There's mm-hmm. that effect. It's like when you see people mouthing your words or maybe a tear or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, not crying from listening to this, being bored on some of the shows right. we do. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, know, but it's so just that's... that universe. And I think we need that more than ever. And I mm-hmm. think that I think it still keeps people together. And you do is we're going to pretty soon wrap up and we'll do plugs. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I do, I say I'm, I'm I'm a concert promoter now, but only I'm not corrupt because I do like I have my week streaming shows. Mm-hmm. I try to do watch parties for 
<laughs> but still, a lot of musicians have been getting back to me on this now. This has been going on since March. Mm-hmm. I know one friend got to 28 shows, and they said not. Ha- it's also weird not having the feedback, the audience, because you feed off the audience too. I take it when they're into it, mm-hmm. you get yeah, that sure. vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you one of the interesting things that I'm seeing locally here <laughs> since all of this has started mm-hmm. is that there's almost been what I'll call a changing of the guards that so many of the more established, older bands have kind of fallen silent and the members have all kind of drifted to the background. But the kids, the singles, the duos, the trios popping up here and there, I'm seeing a lot of names that I was not recognizing or didn't know Mm -hmm. of in March or April that they're starting to come out more. I've seen Mm this 2012, I call that the year... I made so many new friends. This is somebody I've gone back in music almost as long as Ken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> almost as long. <laughs> almost it's my show. Not I'm not going to. I'm right. taking the age. There you why. go. That's fine. So, and I was involved for various reasons. I was involved in this music when I was a kid. But I, this is the year I met Michaela Davis. I met Sam Snyder. I met mm-hmm. Josh Netsky. I met all these generation talents, like Generation Wires, would you call them? Millennials. Katie Preston, Ben Mori, Cami Inaharo. Susanna. Susanna Rose. And I'm just thinking, you kids are doing good. We can pass the torch. <laughs> that, that's you know, amen. you're damn talented. It's amen. like, and you look, it's like, and that's what you do. And you see the appreciation they have for older music. Mm, it's like great. Alex Cote, you listen to Danger Bird. It's like some of the songs they do roll away. It's the best song Neil Young wrote that he didn't write. And they have these influences, and it's like, they get it. And I remember going to meet Dick Dale one time at the House of Guitars. And he almost got me beaten up because the way he talked to me, <laughs> he just wouldn't stop. But anyways, I saw these kids behind me, and they had to be in high school. And I just did a little nod and said, this is cool. Everybody's probably listening to what's on the radio. These kids are seeking out the music. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's there. Yeah, this is We right. Passed the Torch. Yeah, and the same, point. Yeah, and yeah. I say We Passed the Torch, though, and I'm very happy to. They're doing a damn good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, to your point, even when there would, uh, there would be the tributes over at Three Heads. Uh, Sam would come up and they would do an album night. You know, a friend comes out uh, one night and he does Warren Zevon's Excitable Boy, right? Yeah. Sam Snyder comes up. What did he do? I think he did the White Album, didn't he? We did. He did the White. I remember he was petrified because we were right. talking I mean, about it. But and then and then they did Ziggy Stardust, yes, Alan Murphy, yes. you know, the Mighty High and Dry. You know, they had guests, but Sam did the White Album, and I remember he was. You know, and they're going back and they're doing stuff. You know, from when. When I was, that was my, you know, the Beatles. Yeah, that's our and stuff. That. Mm-hmm. And I even predate you on some of that stuff. But yes, that's, and that's impressive that they are willing and, and that, because it's good music. Because yeah. it's good music. Yeah, that's right. what the thing yeah. is, too. And I'll have the things where I remember these kids talking behind, my, behind me when I was at Wegmans in the days we didn't have to socially distance. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, there was this weird old guy. I saw this clip of on TV. He had this makeup on. He had a weird voice. And I turn and look at him, and I say, "Bob Dylan, maybe." Who's Bob Dylan? Yeah. I had English kids over here from the old Toad, who to me blasphemy, being English, did not know who the Kinks were. Oh, that's not good. Oh, yeah, wow. and they grew up in that generation. You know, Stone Roses, all that. Right, right, you know, and if they didn't, and for me, when I went to England. 
obviously, what did I have to do first before I did anything? Uh, Abbey Road. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's like a pilgrimage, my pilgrimage to Mecca. Yeah, sure. But really, they pass it on. And music, really, especially Rochester, it's, we have a great scene here, and people don't appreciate it a lot of times. I have friends in Atlanta who say they love the city, but they say we don't get half as much as you guys get. I that's can tell people, story. Ken and I would in the old days, we could go out every night. Mm-hmm. Not anymore, but. Oh, wow. Yeah. And not have it cost us hardly anything. And that is so true. Mm-hmm. My sister lives in Boston. My other sister is in Colorado and mm-hmm. Denver. And for these folks to go out, it's a $20 cover mm-hmm. plus a two-drink minimum and mm-hmm. this and that and the other thing. And, you know, you could ostensibly spend 50 to $75 just to go hear, uh, you know, a folk singer. Yeah, well, Monday night, wow. I'm going to go down the little. What band's playing? It's going to be really good. You know, get, I'll get a coffee, maybe get a hummus plate. Yeah, and you're, and you're good Great. to go, and you've got three hours of You know, music. give them a tip by, you know, I try to always, mm-hmm. so one thing I've always, you know, you try to you know buy whatever they have, support. I always say support local music. Don't burn it. They're not Lady Gaga. They're right. trying to make a living. Right. <laughs> what, uh, I have a real quick question. I don't know what your time agenda no, is. No, we're doing, for, we're almost about to wrap up. Uh, I think it's right. been really fun. For Vicky, yeah. when you go into the studio, mm-hmm. how extensive... Because I've produced as well. Mm-hmm. How extensive will you go with your productions on your pieces? Will you incorporate strings? Will you bring in this, that, and the other thing in the kitchen sink? And mm-hmm. um, well, that's a good question because I'm I'm currently kind of like working on two different projects, and I think one of them is going to be really minimalist, maybe even just vocals. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going on an artist residency for songwriting in the beginning of September to come up with 10 new songs for an album, and I think I might just do it all myself, you know? A little bit of guitar and a little bit of piano um, with my own songs, because I'm, I'm really enjoying the minimalist thing, just really concentrating on, on the voice. Getting I think it's there. a minimalist kind of year. I think I so. I really do. I yeah. think there's something about it. It's almost like it feeds to that you're sitting alone and you know playing away and just. You I know, think I'm finding yeah. that even in my playing. Really? Yeah. Uh huh. Whereas, and I have been, I have been acutely listening these past six, seven, eight months and looking for change and mm-hmm. looking for difference. Mm-hmm. Show me. Let me hear something different. And it has affected even my playing that, you know, as I'll be at my computer and my station and my whatever up in my office and my mm-hmm. home and I can spin around in my chair and my my, my, my curse is there and I can do whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'll take songs that I have loved and played for a long, long time and all of a sudden it's really boiling it down to the barest of essence. Yeah, you know, yeah. What is it that's making this song? Mm-hmm. And taking that out and, and, and celebrating that yep. within the piece. And, and it's, it's, maybe it's part of the, the mentality thought that's been going on that translates to the creative part that's going I on. So. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. And that's the thing. And Could I know some have. people have told me they're, they have a block. But other people I've talked to, I talked to one of my friends, Sean McVeigh, and they tour Europe, so obviously that's off. That's your livelihood. They'd be gone mm-hmm. half the year, and then they'll play a Thanksgiving gig here. Buffalo, mm-hmm. right. and he said that just, how you been doing? He said I've been in my studio in the country. I've recorded material for about three or four albums. Right. So yeah. you know you just try to do it, but yeah, it's been very great having you on here. Thank you. It's been great to and be here, Ken. Anything yes. 
just laying low, trying to check out stuff, trying to get by day to day as we all are uh, here? You know, yeah. Uh, right now we've been focused on um, getting our uh, our French exchange student, Nina, you know, mm-hmm. settled in and back to school and get that all settled down. I've had some changes musically that have happened this past year for me. I've um, I've opted to uh, to uh, to leave Liars Moon. Um, I you know I kind of extracted myself from the group so that I could explore some new and different things. It's always growth. So that's it. Yeah, that's what we're doing. We're, you have to get some good traditional French recipes from her while she's here. I got them. I got them. Oh, oh good. Got always her you mom, gotta do. Her mom has already sent us the yeast that they use mm-hmm. uh, and. Um, I've got the... Um, well, the yeast you can do is share them with me. Oh, uh, ba-boom. <laughs> hey, you yes. know my post. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you have coming up? You've been doing streaming, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing these... Yeah, where um, can I hear you? Yeah, what Sunday Sunday streams. Plugs, 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 plugs. Yeah, well, I have these Sunday streams that I've been doing on Facebook um, every Sunday at 1, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so 7 p.m. Paris time. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're meant to be just really intimate moment that last like 20 minutes and I do a couple of my songs on piano a little bit of guitar and sometimes a couple of vocal tips you know because I've done a lot of teaching and this too, is so all done, warm ups and, done yeah, from where done wherever from I happen to be oh okay yeah so you're just taking your phone and flipping it around um, and just... yeah yeah computer so uh sure. yeah so that's that's been really a, a great way to share with people you know without having to travel without being able to travel a real quick question before we break what is your thought on the live streaming and the and the feeling and the vibe mm-hmm. from the live streaming today works doesn't work intimate I, not intimate i think it's starting to work yeah i think people are starting to to get used to that i, I know there was a learning curve. natalie galman yeah, for, sure. for example she's a fr- she's from new york but she's a friend of mine she lives in california her cat unfortunately is having health issues oh. you know how we with pets obviously okay. but otherwise she would do live streams Sundays. I the cat recorded, you see. Fridays. Uh, you know, they would, but so what she would do is like we'd have requests, but it became in a way a little, she'd be saying, I see these familiar names. It's almost like, you know, you feel a little bit like family, everything. Mm-hmm. You put in requests and you're talking. Yeah, it's yeah. not the same. Where other people I know, I had a friend of mine literally say a couple of weeks ago, had a freak out almost saying, it's just not fun. We're not having feedback. Right. Mm-hmm. So it depends, you know, I want to actually. And that is, that is my, that is my. Uh, thought I. Yeah. A- I want to do a big thing after this is all over about people's reactions and how they cope with this because I've had some friends mm-hmm. who are massive introverts who say, I hope this never ends. It's best sure. time I've had yeah, in my yeah, life. Yeah. Other Depends people, on I mean, I feel think. very bad because mm-hmm. I can be in, uh, introvert whatever, but there are some people, obviously, loneliness is a big thing and there's going to be some people mm-hmm. who really feel in loneliness. Yeah. I'm going to use two quick examples because uh, I, I scroll through and I spend time on Facebook and I scroll through a lot of things and I don't listen to a lot of things. Seen it, seen it, seen it, seen mm. it, know what it is, know what it is, know what it is. But I'll always stop um, today, This was before coming here, I'm watching Toya Wilcox and Robert Fripp, right? They do Sunday brunch with Robert and Toya. Now here's the Robert Fripp is an absolute, you know, uh, a, a giant in my book as far as a musician, King Crimson, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's showing the human Robert Fripp and him and his wife running around doing all these silly things, and it's mm-hmm. brilliant. It's, I mean, you have to you get to learn a little bit more about this guy. He takes his own mystique away. He takes his own seriousness away. Mm-hmm. You know, 
So yes, you 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 gravitate to that and you'll watch that. Last night's show with Michaela and, and the guys, the McCarthy brothers. Oh my God, I will never miss a show that Michaela does because she's just so entertaining. I've told her. That was, I said, that was at the Hollow in Albany was literally the last show. And she mentioned it last night. The last time they played. I remember Shane seeing me with my Sugar Shane shirt. And I always love pulling that where I pop up. I don't tell him. I pop up somewhere far away. You know, I almost got Greg Townsend in London. I was actually there a week before him. I was just going to walk into where he was playing. He'd look at me and say, hey, I felt like coming to the gig, Greg. You were worth it. (laughs) But so I told her, and I would go. One summer, I saw the High Rises 11 times. I saw Michaela eight times. And I'll go see her within a four-mile radius. Oh, Vicki, here's Mm -hmm. an artist that we're talking about. I would invite you to go YouTube her. Uh, M-I-K-A-E-L-A, Michaela Mm -hmm. Davis. Um, harpist. Mm-hmm. Cool. Her primary instrument is the harp. Wow. Uh-huh. And she's also a, another one's Grace Browning, who does Harpy Hour, and she's the RPO's head harpist. Right. So I keep going back and forth with her about what's going on, mm-hmm. obviously, but, you but know, there's so much talent here. It's so incorporated, it's so different and incorporated in an almost um, quasi-classical slash psychedelic slash Indian music uh, whatever she feels like wow interesting yeah interesting Mm -hmm. but what do we have Mm -hmm. yeah how can we get these do you have a site and everything yep I have my site vickyrumler.com and yeah we can maybe play something from what would you like to play my third album you need to give that to Andy I do yeah and and we're going to play something by Vicky right now and she's going to play to surprise us so thanks everybody and so, yes, sir. Well, the, after we, we play the song, will that wrap the show? Yep. That's oh. it. We want to wrap it on a good note, not them listening to us. And then come back, we'll talk more music, and hopefully I would. things yeah, will get this better. Is, this is fun. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks Appreciate for it. See you. Bye bye.
Way back when I'd been lonely Today we might have been more weak But we can't go back We can't go back We can't coax our memories through that tiny crack No, we can't go back We can't go back So he's looking at you was made from sun to shade, from waves to shore, but evermore, your smile stays in my